This is a HeadGum Podcast. to another episode of Just a Tip podcast. The ep- the episode, the podcast that used to be about advice and then kind of turned into its own self-discovery journey. And now we are finally reaching the end. I am your host, Megan Batoon. And today my guest is my producer, Clementine Yost. She has been in the studio from before the pandemic and recording remotely for however long, two years. And now... We finally get to to go behind the curtain. Hello. This is your voice. This is my voice. This is I'm the one who's been <laughs> editing Megan's voice for the past three years. It's that's like you've had to listen to it happen and then again and probably again and again. But also it's funny because when we would be recording, especially in studio, I would kind of be listening to what you were saying, but more just like how it sounded to make sure mm-hmm. that there wasn't any like audio issue or that keeping my ears pricked for anything that could be construed as offensive, although you would never say anything like that. And then when I would be going through the edit, it was like, oh, I'm actually like listening to the content. Interesting. It was never like super repetitive and in an annoying way. It was kind of fun to be like, oh, okay, it sounds nice. And now it's actually nice to listen to. Right. Oh, that's so interesting. What was it like? Because jumping in to helping record just a tip like did you work on any other podcasts that had this kind of like this self-help kind of like angle to it I would say at the start of just a tip it was it was so like lighthearted and like definitely really dance focused like it was a lot of like people that you knew from the dance world or whatever and so I was Mm -hmm. like I have no idea about any of this but at around the same time that I, or like six months after I started with Just a Tip, I started doing great with Vicky Vox for Earwolf. Mm-hmm. And that one was definitely quite self-helpy. And sure. um, I remember when she and Vicky came on your podcast and you guys were talking about like what the future holds for Megan Batoon and, you know, like pu- pulling cards. It's not necessarily like an exact prediction of the future, but if you guys, if you listen back to the episode that, that Megan's on Vicky's podcast, it's so predictive of everything that happened for you of like, what did she say? I forget. I forget the exact, you were like going to finally find a nice boy and that you were going to take a step in a different direction creatively. And, um, and it's, I kind of feel like the last, I feel like 2020 and 2021, it's like just a tip has been kind of like going around a nice turn and it's like fulfilled everything you needed. And yeah, I love that you said that. It's like done what you needed it to do. Yeah, that's so interesting. I was just talking about that with a friend of like when things are kind of coming to fruition and when I feel like it's time to allow it to release. And I feel like that's exactly what happened here. I mean, when Just a Tip started, it was very, like very lighthearted. I mean, that's 
what I wanted at the time. I just wanted to laugh. I wanted people to like get, you know, tidbits of things, but just have a good time listening to it. Comedy was super important to me. And then like learning through doing, cause it's also like, it's one hour of a conversation of my life. Right. And so it's like, I want to like have really meaningful conversations that could help people wherever they are. And then, so it's like, now I'm like trying to discover my own journey. And then it, it feels like now it did fulfill that. And now I can like graciously let it go and, and thank it like Marie Kondo vibes of like, thank you for this and next chapter. Exactly. And it's almost like when, when just a tip started, like I remember the girl who was doing the editing for the podcast was the one who was mm-hmm. helping you with the videos. And like, that's kind of like microcosm. You have like the podcast was definitely one of your lowest priorities. And it was in a way there to help get, extraneous fans to kind of filter down to actually watch your YouTube videos. And Mm. so that was more like the priority. And then it started to switch to be like, actually, no, we're not just going to make YouTube dance videos. Let's actually like build houses and shelves and shit. And it was like, you've just, you've kind of like discovered so much more about yourself. It's been really interesting to watch your, not to use the word journey because it's annoying, but to like (laughs) just watch your journey, you know? Like I I edit an hour of you talking every other week. So I'm like kind of fly on the wall. And it's just been an interesting thing to see like how your priorities have shifted. And so you said the podcast is ending. Do you want to elaborate to the (laughs) listeners so that they're not just like, what? Yes. (laughs) Yeah, that's probably like a what? Oh my God. Like there will be one final episode next week. um, But that's why I love that we're talking now kind of memory lane of like mm-hmm. where we've been. Um, but yeah, it's, I'll, I'll elaborate a little bit. Obviously I'll get into it in the next episode, but like it, like we were just talking about, I'm learning that when something fulfills its purpose, I no longer have to hold on to it. And I feel like when I started this podcast, it, it was like an a- ancillary media thing. You know, like I was running a media business. I had a podcast and, and merch and YouTube videos. It probably felt like you needed to have a podcast because everyone and their dog had a podcast. Totally. Get a podcast, Megan. Come on. hundred percent. And then from there, it was just like, how do I actually show up authentically? And that was something that I was working on in therapy so much of like, what does authenticity mean to me? What does it mean to be authentic? Because like I grew up on the internet, like I started my videos when I was 21. And so you can see like how I am not developed and how I've grown. And I think that with the podcast, it's helped me so much talk to people that I didn't have access to before that helped me grow quicker. And from what I've heard and and people posting the podcast on Instagram and my friends are like, it feels like we're growing up together or it feels like I'm also going through these same issues that you're talking about in real time. And so it became like a really helpful tool for my community to grow together. And and now it feels like, I think we got enough out of what we need and now we need to take those little nuggets and really digest them and invest them yeah. into our lives. Yeah, I totally feel that. And and it feels like, you know, like there was that period where you really wanted to have the podcast be like 45 minutes Mm -hmm. and it wanted you wanted it to be like short and sweet. And I could kind of tell at that time that like that was kind of your way of being like, okay, I'm going to like you felt obligated to do the podcast. Right. But you weren't like that passionate about it. And um, then you were kind of this is just me observing. It kind of felt like you realized 
like kind of fuck it. I, you know, I don't need to be like an ayahuasca shaman to give advice about people's lives. I can just talk <laughs> from my own experience. Right. And then you started making it more of like an actual self-help podcast. And that seemed to really fulfill you mm-hmm. as like the last thing that the podcast could give you in a way, kind of like the giving tree. Yeah. You know? And uh, n- now, but not in like a selfish way, because The Giving Tree is actually kind of a sad book. It is kind of sad. A dickhead. <laughs> but like, you know, I don't know. It just felt, it feels like you've, we've gotten, you've got everything you want out of the podcast. Like, I'm a freelancer. I find other work all the time. Um, mm-hmm. But it's, it's been so nice to be on one show for three years. Yeah. It, yeah. It does feel like stability and like a, and, and that's also what I feel like leave it's not even like leaving it's like I just go back to releasing like it feels like releasing Mm. in a gracious like thankful way because like I said I I probably wouldn't have had access to these people one like without a podcast like why would they want to you know spend an hour of their time but it's like okay there's so much like business in a podcast if somebody writes a book they're gonna want to promote it so it just it made sense yeah. for them and then it made sense for me and the listeners to get really good nuggets from thought leaders and therapists and spiritual people that you know are living their lives and the only access I could have is if I bought their book yeah and it's just so exciting I'm so grateful to have had this platform because it's like streamlining self-help it's like oh I'm getting like straight to professionals instead of just like writing in my journal which is definitely super helpful Mm. but at the same time I'm like okay this came up in my journal what do you think and it's like oh my god so many nuggets of wisdom came from this podcast that I'm integrating in my life yeah and is also the reason why I'm not doing it anymore is because I got that advice from a a guest and now I'm in integrating it and like really honoring that yeah I so the episode, I know Addie, Addie Weyrich, Weyrich, I can never do her last name. Weyrich. But there, Weyrich, yeah, yeah. Weyrich. There was an episode where she was on and you guys were talking about something, I forget. And she said, whenever you're feeling like you don't want to communicate something with someone because you're afraid of a confrontation, you got to give the other person the opportunity to have an adult response. And that, yes. my friend, has stuck in my brain. So <laughs> that's been like life changing because I was... I was never like a ghoster with men, but I would like, if I needed to end something, I would write these like long paragraph things that were like so complimentary, but also kind of like leaving the door open. And it wasn't very clear because I didn't want to hurt anyone's feelings or like with friends who, you know, the cadence with which they respond to you starts to change and you can kind of tell that they're kind of drifting away. And I would like, again, like kind of either paragraphy text or like not really say anything. And that thing that Addie said, it really stuck with me of like, if you feel something, take a breath, take a beat, but then communicate your truth and see how they respond. You got to give them a chance because I Mm -hmm. I can't just be like sitting here upset that my friend Katie isn't texting me back as often. I can't sit here like worrying. Will the kind of breakup text I sent to this guy I slept with twice really hurt his feelings? It's like, just be just don't be mean, be nice. And it's, and it's okay. And if someone else has hurt feelings about it, it's okay. I can't protect everyone. You know, Mm -hmm. I can't like plan, plan, plan so much that everything works out just the way I need it, you know? And that, um, that's just really that nugget of wisdom, man, just in my brain forever now. I wanted to ask you, like, if you remember any others, because obviously in the beginning you're checking for levels, but when you're listening back, like, is there anything that anything else that stuck? Like for me, I think um, 
there was, I mean, honestly, like the Sahara Rose episode really like opened my eyes to a ton of stuff because she talks about Ayurveda, which I've never heard about. And mm. then like a bunch of these different ways of like finding your purpose. And that was just like super illuminating for me. Addie has really good, some, some mantras and, and things that I've taken away. But like, I'm wondering if anything else has stuck out while you're listening and you're like, that was, that has been a pivotal like tool or resource. Um, so I've never been, I can't remember like the exact episodes, but, um, mm-hmm. my, cause I'll just blend together. My brain is just like, I know. just a tip. <laughs> but, um, one of them were one of the more recent ones. It was maybe with Alison Raskin or one of the ones before her. Um, Alison, I love because, you know, she takes meds for her OCD, which I also have and is like mm-hmm. not ashamed about it, which is great. But, um, I think, I think it was somebody else on who, um, you were talking about your perfectionism, workaholism, whatever. And I'm not quite like that. Like I was when I worked for Apple and that's why I quit. Um, no shade to Apple. It was great. It just was too much for me. Um, but just that it's okay to take breaks and it's okay Mm -hmm. to let yourself rest. And, you know, I don't have to be pushing myself as hard as you push yourself to deserve a break. Cause sometimes I'd feel Mm -hmm. like, Oh, well, Megan's out there DIYing everything and also on YouTube and also doing all this stuff. What am I doing? You know, I don't deserve to just have comparison. Yeah. I don't deserve to just have a day kind of laying around resting, but it's like, it's, it's all subjective and we all deserve rest. And that, you know, being in a global pandemic for this is our third year in it. Mm -hmm. That's just a baseline taking a toll on us. But yeah, just that I'm allowed to rest. I'm allowed to feel tired and it's okay. No shit. It's okay. And that's the other thing about comparison. Like I had to stop when I would compare myself on Instagram, I would have to unfollow people. Like Mm. I had told myself, like the minute I start comparing myself, I'm out. Like I can't do that because I know it's just so self-destructive for me. And on the same, the same, the same coin, different side, the other (laughs) side of the same coin is that like, if you look at people like me that are always doing shit and comparing yourself, it's like, well, actually, why are they doing so Mm. much? do they think that they need to in order to be loved, to be accepted? Do the, is it like an inherited belief that they're not worth it unless they are super productive? Mm. Like th- those are all stories that I have told myself since I was young. And I'm like now trying to untangle that. And that's why, you know, I'm closing up shop on some of my, my media businesses because it's like, oh, that actually, that was good for a time in my life and, and that worked for me. But actually now that's not the way that I want to get to the next mm. part of my journey. Exactly. Also- Megan a la mode, a la mode in like, in insinuates like a scoop of ice cream that's like by yes. itself, not like yes. a whole buffet of like really intense desserts that you have to like make all of, you know? So I feel like this is coming in line more with what your company's name, name is, you know? Yes. It's all going to fit better. It really, it really is. I love that <laughs> Megan Holomode. I remember like making that and my business managers were like, make it something like not Megan Batoon Productions. And I was like, uh, okay. And then I was like, oh, that's so cute. Like Megan Holomode. And it's true. Just like a tiny little decadent treat. Like it doesn't need to be all the desserts. Like yeah. I just, I really thought that I needed to be doing everything in order to be successful because that's what I saw on the internet. That's when, mm. I, when I think of like, whatever person that does everything. Mm. I don't need, I can't even think of one person anymore. Cause I, I feel like everyone is just doing everything, but that's, I think the problem. Yeah. Like, I feel like if we all were just to choose like the thing that we love to do mm-hmm. and then figure out a way to, to give back to others and back to ourselves by doing that, 
that's all, that's more than enough. Yeah. And I feel like with, I'm on TikTok way too often for my 29 years of life, but you know, I love it. And I kind of feel like, obviously there's some Gen Z celebrities like Addison Rae or whatever, uh-huh. who are kind of doing a lot of everything um, on their on their TikToks, on their Instagrams. Addison is a podcast, so she is kind of doing everything. But then there's, I would say, more people in this younger generation who are just uh, embracing having the one thing that they really like doing mm. and just leaning in. And I would say I that that's that. really... It's really struck me with like the makeup artists on TikTok, the drag queens. Like they find their niche. It's it's nice to see people just leaning into the one thing that makes them happy, like you said, and just yeah. pushing it. And then people people love seeing someone flourish at something. That's why they have so many followers. Whereas like, I don't know, just trying to do a little bit of everything, mm-hmm. as long as you're enjoying that is fine. But to feel pressure to do everything is where it kind of it's... Yeah. I think in the beginning, like when I was starting to do everything, that was like the advice that I was given. It's like, oh, you're, you're on YouTube. You should have a podcast. You should have a this. And it's like, okay, how can we like expand this like one person into like an entire entity empire? Yeah. Like, and that's a business structure and that is advice and it does work for some people. And I think that there was something that went around on Instagram or Twitter. I forget exactly who posted it, but it was basically like we have conflated art and media company Mm. thinking that like we need to create original creative content two times per week. And that's actually not how art is made because art, the the value of art one is the more rare it is, the more valuable it is. Mm -hmm. And the better you can make art depends on how much time you can put into something. Yeah, And so- that really perturbed me, to be honest, about the media business is it never allowed me enough time or space to like really put my everything into something. And like, you know me, I like things a specific way yeah. <laughs> and like I've got a high standard and like I, I, I want to put my art and my heart into yeah. it. You can't do that. And it's hard if you're being stretched really thin, you know, you, just, you like actually just physically, mentally and spiritually and creatively can't do it yeah it's it's not like scientifically possible but, like, think about how like pre-pandemic when you know like not just like when headgum would be at those podcast festivals in chicago and you would like be one of many i mean more like when you would do a talk at a university but also have a recording with me like the next day and then also be like churning out all these youtube videos about cooking filipino food and also doing a shelf and then also you had to be <laughs> on your instagram and it was just like there it was it was all, it was like every moment lot. of every day was like work related. And that just seems like that was exhausting um, for you. Yes. And that's how, yeah. I mean, every, I feel like everyone's life has, those of us who are fortunate enough to have, you know, survived this pandemic, um, our mm-hmm. lives have slowed down in a way that is kind of nice. You know, the one silver linings playbook of it is that I'm not yes. like feeling the pressure to just go out every night with friends just because they're there. And then also be social during the day and whatever, you know, allowed to rest, allowed to have me time and that it's okay. I think that's been really pivotal in this in this like two years. Well, also because like pre-pandemic, I mean, it was always like productivity centric, right? Like this world, this internalized capitalism world that we always are just like the heartbeat of the nation. It's like, okay, that's what we were doing. And I remember like sometimes we would do like two or three podcasts mm-hmm. in a day. And it's like, we just need to get it out because it's content. Mm-hmm. And it's like that, that worked out for then. But then when we had to do zoom recordings, it, it, 
you know, pushed us out of our comfort zone to go, okay, what is now possible? And then from there it was like, okay, not what is just what is possible, but like, what is wanted? What is desired? Like, this is our time. I think like through this pandemic, we've learned our value. I mean, at least speaking for myself, like I've learned what my true values are. And I had a lot more space to go like, is this actually what I want to be doing? And I'm, I am like grateful for that side of it. Because can you imagine like still doing what I was doing before? No. no. I mean, Nicole Byers podcast, when it was still at HeadGum, that was like the craziest recordings that I ever did. Um, right. Marissa Melnick always covered. She's her producer and she's still does some HeadGum stuff, but also has moved to Team Coco with that podcast. But there was a couple times where Marissa was out and I would cover for her. And there was one time where we did six recordings in a row for Nicole. And so we had oh like my God. Matt Rogers was, was there. We had Greta Teitelman, like all these different people like coming in and like as the producer I had to like make sure that they were like in the building had their parking had their drink were ready would get up there would record for an hour and then next 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 um and that was because that was back when Nicole was on tour and so she needed to have everything banked and it was kind of crazy whereas nowadays I mean we still bank this is going to come out like when you guys are hearing it it's not January 19th but um it's it was just crazy and like Jake and Amir they would only ever record together in the same mm-hmm. room. And so Jake would fly from New York to LA to freaking LAX and like deal with oh that to get to oh the headgum studio to record in person for their podcast, If I Were You. And I remember them saying like, we never thought that you could just do it remotely over Zoom and just like right. put it together because we didn't, nobody was really thinking like that. And so it's made it so much nicer now. Like you had a, had a guest from Estonia who was in Estonia on the show, right. which is like, that would have never happened. That's the coolest thing. Which is never. so cool. Yeah. Yeah. I remember like there was one guest that I wanted to book like years ago when it was like still comedy centric. And it was like, they, they, they wanted like a, in order to get to the studio, I would have had to like send a car, I think from LAX in order to get them there. Cause they were only there on like a layover or something. And it was like, oh, this is so hectic. So but hectic. now- we can do anything. And that's the thing is like, even though this is the end of just a tip, like, I don't think that this is the end of podcasting for me. I just think that like, I need to take what I've learned mm. and like, take a little break, you know, like in between you're having sushi and like, you're supposed to eat the ginger to, yeah. to cleanse your palate before the next sushi. So like, I feel like this is my ginger break of like, I just had like really decadent, you know, salmon belly nigiri sushi. And now mm. I need a little bit of time to like really get those flavors and have a minute before I, I indulge in the next decadent thing. That's going to be a treat. So that's what also why I, I don't feel like sad that this chapter is closing because yeah. one, it feels like it is came full circle to what it needed to the purpose that it needed to serve. But I also know that like this won't be the end. Like I'll have something else that I can offer. And I think mm-hmm. that's also what this podcast has taught me is like, how can I help in the long term and in like the inner term? <laughs> like how yeah. can I show up on the internet? Because like when I first started doing YouTube videos, even it was like sketch comedy and dancing and it's entertainment. Like in the beginning, it was always entertainment. Yeah. And now it's, I mean, I'm sure it's entertaining in some way, but more so I just want it to be nourishing. Yeah. Like that's the, the vibe of my life is just nourishing 360. I like that a lot. Cause you know, it's, it's also so kind of like untenable to just have the pressure to be entertaining 
mm-hmm. all the time. It's kind of like dance monkey dance. And you're like, I don't want to dance. Um, so when you're just like speaking from the heart, um, really quick listeners, it is trash collection day where I live in Los Angeles. <laughs> so no amount of me hiding in a closet with towels is going to muffle that. So the sounds that you hear are trash cans. That was that. Anyways. Um, yeah, I, I feel that. And like, Listeners, I started off in podcasting doing a podcast called Achingly Polite, which I started right after I left Apple, and it was just me by myself talking into a mic, and I would edit it myself, and that's how I learned podcasting. And then I submitted cool. my podcast so many times to HeadGum, and they kept being like, eh, not sure. And then eventually it was good enough that they were like, sure, we'll take you on as the audio engineering producer, intern, or whatever. And... I kept up the podcast for a little bit, but then after a while, it just was so much pressure because it wasn't, it was authentic and from the heart for the period that I was doing it from like May 2018 to like November 2018. And then I forced myself to like keep doing it throughout 2019 and it started to kind of peter off. And then when the pandemic hit, I was just like, eh. And so I stopped it in 2020. But it's, it's, it's important to be honest with yourself about when Something's no longer serving you, you know, and it wasn't anymore, but I still love it. Yeah. I want to ask more about that. Like when you were realizing that it was no longer serving you, like, what does that feel like to you? How were you able to be aware of that? Like what, what was the, Hey, this is not working anymore moment. I think for me, it's the difference was when it, when it was serving me, it was so easy to just record it, you know? And this was when I was living by myself at my parents' uh, place on the west side of LA. So like away from anything fun, really. So I didn't really have a social life and I was really lonely. And this podcast was like my lifeline. It was like, you know, I had listeners through that. I actually made friends with someone in Ralph's once because she recognized me as like from Instagram. She's like, oh, are you the girl who does achingly polite? And I was like, yeah, what? Um, Amazing. So that was kind of fun. But yeah, it was just so easy to do it. And then as I got a more fulfilling life of, you know, more of a community and more work with HeadGum and then with Earwolf and all the different podcast companies I've worked with, it was no longer as important to me. It was still important for the period in my life that it served me. But I think just that feeling inside of like it being kind of a a hassle to do it or like, oh, I have to go record the podcast, you know, like it feeling like. When it's no longer light and easy, that's when it starts to be. Yeah, there felt like a block in me a little bit of like, kind of, you know, like when you're a selling teenager and you don't want to do what your mom says. And it's just like, oh, like, and it feels insurmountable, even though it's the tiniest task. And it's really just right. kind of a stubbornness. But for this, it was just like, oh, I've re- oh I don't want to have to do this. And that's when I kind of realized, like, I don't have to do it anymore. And so now I just pay Libsyn like five bucks a month to have hosting abilities so that I can like. Because it was on WordPress, um, which was nice, but expensive. And then it was on Wix, which was nice, but like also expensive. So Libsyn's great. And mm. whatever, I have it. I just keep like randomly, I've forgotten for the past couple of months. But it's nice to just have it like out there. And um, what's funny is that at the time when I was recording it, when I was like actively doing it, my parents were both like, I can't believe you're sharing so much about yourself online. Like you're going to never get a real job, like all this stuff. And then it's literally because of that podcast that I got my job at HeadGum. And it's specifically because of Achingly Polite that I've just gotten this new job at Forever Dog that I'm going to be starting next week, which is like developing two different shows for them that are kind of like loosely in the same kind of topic genre area as Achingly Polite was. And Achingly Polite was like kind of feminism 
mental health and sex positivity. And it was like really rigidly like cut into three pieces. But um, cool. being so like abreast of those topics meant that, you know, every other show that I've worked on, whenever they need that kind of help, I'm really good at that. And this forever dog job, I got contacted out of the blue because they found me on LinkedIn. And I literally was like to my mom, like, did you see like, right. Polite has like helped me. And now they're like, yeah, we're so proud of you. And like, they brag about it to their friends. They're like, she started her own podcast and taught herself everything. And I'm like, at the time, y'all were not supportive. Right. Y'all thought that Isn't I was that ruining my life. You know, it's always like that until it works. Exactly. But that's so good that you did that. Like, and, and that's a, a thing is like, no matter what you're interested in, I think that's so cool to know that like, oh, my curiosity is bringing me here. I'm going to do this thing. And through that, I'm going to learn how to use Adobe Audition. I'm yeah. going to learn how to like what microphones and how to like do all this stuff. And then you're, you're essentially like building a skill so that down the line, years down the line, now you have this job at Forever Dog with two, like because you did something that you didn't know if it was going to turn into anything. Yeah. It was just something from the heart. You were having fun. You were being honest and authentic. And exactly. look at like, it's, it, nothing ever comes bad out of that direction and that feeling. Yeah, exactly. Well, now there's a helicopter overhead, listeners. Um, oh my God. The part of LA that I live in is, if you look at like the crime map where like darkest blue is worst, I'm in like a almost the darkest blue area, but it's really fun. <laughs> I'm in a cobalt navy. Yeah, I'm in a navy vibe. Um, sitting at Apple, uh, because I was at Apple TV Plus and like everything works out for a reason, right? I did not enjoy my time there because the other assistants weren't nice to me. And that sucked. <sighs> but it taught me the importance of like kindness because I had never been bullied in school. I was always either popular or just like amongst the crowd, like kind of nobody really cared. I, you know, I didn't ruffle any feathers. Um, mm-hmm. I was always invited to everything or whatever. And Apple was like such a toxic work environment with the other assistants that I turned to the Beats One people who sat near us because we were in the Dr. Dre office thing in the, the, the shitty corner where the Beats One people weren't sitting. And so they had us like 12 people with Apple TV Plus at the very start right there. Tim Cook gave our team of 12 people like $1 billion to make TV, which was so much pressure. So there's just all this pressure and this toxicity and stuff. And you know, the executives that worked for Apple TV Plus were so nice, but all very driven people. And being surrounded by that much like excellence really made me realize that like TV isn't my passion. And it was sitting with the Beats One people who were working on like audio stuff. And I was just fascinated by like all the colors on their screens and everything they were doing. And when I got closer and closer to quitting, I remember talking to Jeremy, who is this guy who sat behind me and he was a producer for Beats One about, I'm going to start a podcast. And he was like, great. Like, you know, he was really real with me and he was like, don't expect it to make you any money, but you will learn a lot if you, you know, put your head down and teach yourself. And he was like, use your student email and Adobe will um, kind of look the other way for a couple years with your student email. And then after like four or five years, they'll be like, you've graduated and they'll like right, right. kick you <laughs> off. Um, but he was like, get Adobe Audition, get a Blue Yeti mic and get the Sony MDX headphones. And I was like, okay. So I did, I quit. I just like taught myself. When and did you quit? Like when? May, May 5th, 2018. Oh my God. You remember the day? Yeah. So I want to hear about the quitting process. Like how long before you quit, did you know you want, wanted to quit? And were you scared when you did? I was so scared to quit, but also I kind of felt like 
so again, like the power of kindness in an office space and like the power of, you know, unkindness really took a toll on my mental health. And I already had, you know, like depressive tendencies and like OCD, anxiety, whatever. And just like not having any friends at work, having to work from like 8 a.m. to 9 p.m. every day. Sundays oh we would read scripts um, at home, but you're not paid for your Sunday reading. So you really only had one day off a week. But making good money, which I would basically, the only thing I spent money on was Erewhon. I would like go to the Erewhon in Venice after work every day. <laughs> yeah. I've still never been into an Erewhon. Really? I know. But it's also like neutrals and like fancy things. I know. I think I would love it, except for the price tag. I don't the think I can do that. prices are stupid. Yeah. yeah. Um, but I do want to go once just to, you know, it's like Disneyland for me. <laughs> I mean, it was, the crazy thing is, is that I was going to Erewhon every single day after work and my, uh, my credit card bill a month was just like 500 bucks because all I was spending my money on was Erewhon. So it was like, right. that's a low bill per month, but that's a lot of money to be spending at a grocery sure. store per month. So what was I doing? But you know, it was fine. Anyway, City National Bank, they love me. Uh, they're like, <laughs> at least she has good credit. But no, I knew what, once I started to realize that I was like doing repetitive kind of comfort patterns of like going to Erewhon after work, I had to go to the gym in the morning. Otherwise I wouldn't have enough dopamine to get me through the day. Mm -hmm. And like my eating disorder kind of got triggered back and just like all these kind of unhealthy things. And I could see myself spiraling in a negative direction. I started in December, 2017. I think probably by like March, I knew I wanted to quit. Mm -hmm. Everything was starting to ramp up in my department. I was the executive assistant to the head of international creative development he's a wonderful guy and so he was like onboarding different executives around the country and like Singapore and London and Florida and whatever I don't know why Florida got I love London Singapore Florida Florida. (laughs) instead of like putting an executive in Mexico City they were like we'll put one in Florida sure anyways he was great his number two she was great again all the executives were really nice um but I just not having any friends at work and just like having a miserable work environment made me a worse assistant. And I was really Mm. good at doing his itinerary for like can or, you know, he needs to fly to New York and then go to a meeting in Harlem and then go to a meeting in Midtown and like coordinate all the cars, Clementine. I was good at that. But like I was becoming slower and less responsive and like not as good of an assistant because I was depressed. Right. And I went to Coachella with my friends and came back and was just like kind of hung over at work, just feeling like sorry for myself. And I just kind of realized, like, I don't really like this at all. I'm not happy. Yeah. And, you know, again, being around so much excellence and knowing that this really isn't my passion. It was like I can I look at these people and I admire them and their drive and what they've sacrificed in their lives to get where they are. And I would love to achieve that much, but like not maybe not in this lane, you know. Right. And so. That was really telling. And so I remember my boss called me into his office and he said, Clementine, I'm going to need you to step it up. Do you think you can do that? And he kind of meant like, oh, because he could see that your performance was declining. My performance was declining and production was going to start for some of the shows. And so he was like, you're kind of struggle bus right now. Can you step it up? One, because you're not doing as amazing as you should. And two, even if you were doing amazing, you would have to step it up anyways, because like shit's going to get real. And I said, no. <laughs> nice. <laughs> He's like, I'm going to need you to find me five candidates for your replacement. And I was like, awesome. I'm, I'm so good at that. I found him like the best girl who was an assistant at WME who could like really handle that kind of like intense TV. Sure. Bullshit. And she ended up working for him for a bit. I don't know what happened, but like it 
it was it was fine. It was great. That's nice that it was an easy transition, though. Like, it's nice that he wasn't mean to you. Oh no, he was. He was always it. so nice, and like he kept the plant that I gave him for Christmas in 2017 in his office until it died because he didn't take care of it. But like, he's a really nice guy. I helped him plan his like proposal to his wife. Oh my god! Wow, he was great. I just wasn't a very good assistant. Just like not. I would have been good you- at his job. Uh, like development and like coordinating new hires and stuff. But like, you know, get Sofia Coppola on the phone. Do you have her number? No, figure it out. That's hard. Like, (laughs) like, (laughs) that's too hard for me. I'm like, what? No. Um, So yeah, saying no, it like took, you know, like when you have to break up with someone um, that like the the feeling in the chest of the anxiety, but it's not just a chest tightening anxiety. It's also like mental of like, oh, I And to say no to him was, like, wild. So liberating, probably. To be honest, if I had said yes and then not stepped it up because I was still depressed, I probably would have gotten fired because, like, I wasn't the amazing employee that he needed at Apple TV+, Plus. you know, shining new company. And so I'm I'm glad that I left before I was fired. And, you know, it also could have happened if I said yes in that moment. He could have been like, I'm not sure you can. So, like, I could have been fired two seconds later. I don't know. But It's just um, nice that you were honest with yourself because, like, in that moment, I'm wondering also, like, the fact that you went to Coachella and, like, probably had, you know, high feelings of happiness and then going back to a job that you didn't like and with depressive tendencies, like, what was that just like, oh, now I'm just more clear on what I don't want just because I felt something else exactly so I came back from Coachella like April like 14th 15th 18th of 2018 and um quit May 5th so there was like a couple weeks in there of just like exactly what you said of like whoa the contrast is stark but Mm -hmm. is that just because I you know dabbled in some substances over the weekend and like work is boring no like and that's the other thing is that it was such a cool office culture not the apple part but like the beats part and like the bigger Apple thing. Like if you wanted to start a club for the environment, which I did start because I wanted to, they're like, yeah, sure. We'll help you. Like they, they were all so cool. And they had like an ergonomics lady come to your desk a couple times a month to make sure that you were sitting properly. It was great. And so to like really feel like I wasn't enjoying being somewhere that was on the face of it. So cool. Um, right. Was quite was probably hard. I felt like, ah, oh, shit, but I'm really glad that I left because I mean, I could have just stuck it out, um, you know, and I could have just really bent over backwards to, like, impress my boss, but then I would have really had no life. And, you know, there's all those um, things about, like, the working environment for TV and film that's been, like, bubbling up recently. And it, it's the same even on the development side, the people who are, like, in the office, not ever on set. Um, so I'm glad that I, I'm glad that I left. I'm proud of myself for that. I did end up, like, spiraling lower after that because that was just kind of like you know breaking the seal sort of thing but then the podcast it like kind of was my lifeline and then headgum was the first company to like take a chance on me in this new thing and now here i am so i think it's been a journey and you know listeners if you ever are feeling like fuck i don't like this job and like what am i going to do capitalism i need to make money it's like just save up with the job you're at and then quit and then coast on the money that you've saved and find something that actually like serves you because yes but don't just don't just quit with no money because that's no, stressful you cannot you can't be doing that 
Also, like when you're quitting a job, even if it doesn't serve you anymore, the fact of releasing something that was stable and like you, you know, you had your life and you got your life and it's okay. Now we're just like, we're living. Like once you take away a pillar of your life, it's now a little bit more unstable. So you're going to be more unstable. So if you just, if you have that cushion in order to find something that interests you. And I think that like of all of the episodes, I feel like this is like the most pivotal like piece of advice I would want to like say is like follow what makes you curious. And I'm sure I've talked about this before, but that's like truly, I I feel like I'll die saying this, like Mm. whatever makes follow that curiosity. It will, it will in some way blossom into something that you did not even know that it could and it's it not starts gonna, as a and, seed. And it won't leave you, it's not going to lead you astray. You know, like if you're, no, if you're sitting here and you're like, huh, well, I listen. like there's, okay. There's a lot of people who love my favorite murder. They love all the true crime podcasts. And there's a lot of people because of that, who are going into like forensics and, oh. you know, criminal psychology and that kind of stuff, which is things that we need as a society. And it's like, it's cool that people have been inspired from podcast listening or like anything to go into something that they want to do, you know? My mom does therapy for disabled children using horses. So it's like equine assisted therapy. And she kind of like saw an article about it in a magazine and was like, whoa, that's so cool. So she like right. went to Kentucky and got certified and like that's her job and that's what she does now. And that I was like, that you know, 15 so years ago. And I just think it's like you said, if you're curious about something, go for it because it's really not going to it's not going to be. Unless, obviously, if you're curious about heroin, don't do that, okay? Right. But, like, if you're... If it makes... Yes, if it's a thing that makes you feel alive that is not self-destructive... Yeah. Then that is the you right path check to go the, like You need to check that it's, like, whole, that not wholesome, but, like, I don't know. Don't like turn a blind and eye. nourishing. Yes, exactly. Yes. I love, I love that story about your mom because I feel like that's what I'm learning right now is, like, when you have an idea... Because she could see an article about... Um, like horse, horse assisted therapy or just something about horses or something about therapy. And she would have found her way just by like going into that direction and kind of like dipping her toe in what was around that. Yeah, exactly. And like if she was like, oh, I like, I like therapy. And then she's going to therapy and then she sees like animal assisted therapy and she's like, oh, animals, oh, dogs, oh, horses. And then she would get there somehow. Yeah. It went whichever way it was. And I think that that's so interesting because for me, I'm like, that's like my, with my interior design journey, it's like, I like interiors. And then I, I do a residential project and I go, oh, I actually hate that. And then I do something else and I'm like, oh, I don't really love that. But then I do a project that's a little bit more playful and it's got like shapes and colors and it's mm. like oh that's actually really fun so maybe it's like spatial design or like pop-ups or you know commercials but like it's there's could be so many things and I think I was taught I was talking to myself I was in my head talking to myself about um like re restructuring what I think that I could do because I didn't know of jobs. Like I don't know jobs that exist that are perfect for me. Just like mm-hmm. your mom probably didn't know that that was a job in the yeah. beginning. And then when she, when you discover it, you're like, oh, that's exactly what I want to do and nothing that I don't. And that's like the uncovering that I'm doing now that's getting so interesting because every time I take on a new interior project, it gets me closer to the type of projects that I want to do forever. Yeah. Which I don't even know yet. So when I started my podcast, the reason I thought I'm going to do a podcast was because, again, at Apple, um, whenever I had an away from the desk task, like scanning my boss's receipts to do expenses or whatever, and 
that was, you know, I can be listening to whatever I want to be listening to. And so I was listening to Why Won't You Date Me from Nicole Byer. And it was like, this is a headgum podcast. You guys, you guys all know the intro and the outro. You've been listening to a headgum podcast. And so I heard headgum over and over again. And whenever she would talk about her producer, she'd say, oh, Mars. Oh, Marissa. So Marissa's nickname is Mars. But sometimes Nicole would say Marissa. And so that's how I put it together of like, Marissa works for headgum. I'm going to email Marissa at headgum. And so I like emailed Marissa and I just like bothered her and I love her so much. She's a dear friend now, but like, I didn't know that I wanted to be a podcast producer, that I even liked the editing enough to do it as a job forever. Mm-hmm. I kind of wanted to be like a host, like on the podcast, but then it was like, after working with HeadGum and Earwolf and all these places, I realized, oh, I actually really enjoyed the producing so much more than I ever enjoyed the hosting. And I really enjoy helping the hosts. And it's like, I knew it was a job from listening to that podcast. And so I was like, okay, there's at least people that make podcasts. What are they? I don't know. But like, I didn't know all the different like nuances of it because I didn't know anything about it because there's a new industry. And so it's like, you just figure it out as you go. And that's kind of beautiful. You know? Yeah. It's like you, you step into a room where you've never been before and then you look around and see which corner you want to sit in. Yeah. It's like the whole the whole room is podcasting, but you could sit in the producer corner, you could mm. sit in the host chair. It's like, oh, what feels the most comfortable to me to where I want to be sitting here for a long time? Exactly. And that applies for so many different things. You know, like my ex-boyfriend worked for Ernst & Young doing accountancy consulting and it was very boring for him and he ended up leaving and now he works at a startup. But it was cool at, at the start at least because like to get your accountancy qualification is important because then now you can like go be the accountant for a startup or whatever. But, you know, you could he could work in like, you know, the trading division, in like the tech division, in like the commodities division and they would let him kind of like bounce around to like feel it out or whatever. And I feel like in something as like stable and, you know, accountancy that's been around for forever. And, you know, we're all like, we picture a guy in a suit, but there are all these different options within all the different creative industries. And I think it's quite beneficial to be able to just kind of bounce around and feel it out a little bit. And there's kind of a pressure on young people in our capitalist society to just figure it out immediately at 18 what they want to do like without even trying it before you need to go into college yeah and study this thing and figure it out and so I thought it was really cool of Ernst and Young to like and I know that Deloitte and all the other big county firms do this but to let the youngins like taste test the different avenues that that company offered which you know there's not that many it's within accountancy but there's still different options and I feel like it'd be, it would really behoove creative companies to like mm-hmm. let the youngins come in and like kind of bounce around a little bit instead of just being like, you're the production intern and you're just going to charge walkie talkie batteries, you know? Cause like, how right. are you supposed to know what you want to do when you're a little baby? It's hard. Right. I also think that like, that would be so, I think this, if I ever like, ha- I mean, I'm not even going to put it on myself. Like, I'm like, if I ever have a creative company, like who, if you have a creative company, this is something that I think would be really cool is like, if, if you have people coming in for a specific job, interviewing them, but also like having them almost like a job fair of like yeah. what, you know, do like two hours over here or do 10 minutes here and see what you actually are gravitated towards. Because if you or the people that you hire are liking what they do, the work environment and the work product is going to be better. 
Yeah. So it's almost like figuring out what your strengths are and what the candidate's strengths are or what the company's strengths are and then making it make sense. Like yeah. it just doesn't make sense before. I don't know. It's annoying. <laughs> I feel like within our capitalist society, this should almost be the responsibility of the biggest companies, you know, the ones that control the most. So like Spotify, Amazon, the BBC, NBC, mm-hmm. maybe let's say as our entertainment entertainment examples. Um if they could have like, you know, because I know that my brother has friends who interned for Amazon in like the coding division or whatever. And they literally were just proofreading for like errant commas that were going to ruin a code or whatever. They didn't really get to like dabble in anything else. They were doing they're in their lane. And I know Spotify is a bit more loosey goosey with their interns, but I think it would really, again, behoove big companies to kind of take it upon themselves. This is so idealistic thinking, but like, I know, I know right? These, Wouldn't it be nice to let like. The in, you, know, you know, hire only the best ones, of course, but hire from lots of different backgrounds and not just white boys. And then if you hire someone for coding, make them have to like shadow a production day, make them have to shadow a um, like talent direction moment or whatever, just so that like you can dabble because I studied history and politics in university and I produce podcasts now. Like, you know, what you choose to study, like rarely does it especially in the arts those of us who don't mm-hmm. study engineering r- rarely does it ever completely line up and so I just think it'd be really cool but obviously Jeff Bezos is too concerned with making another penis-shaped rocket to like do this but wouldn't yeah, it be busy. nice it would be nice but I feel like obviously we can't control them but we can control our lives yes. and if we take that nugget of advice and go all we really need to do we don't need to make any rash or full-fledged like the end and all be all decisions but all we need to do is take the next step and then survey the area and say do we like this where do we where would we rather be what feels good what feels bad and then just keep on going to the warm spots yeah and like you will always find something that really is nourishing if if that's your compass I think that so for me one of my next steps things right now I'm currently applying for a visa to move to the UK and um, there's some companies over there that I have worked with before and I would love to work with again, like from London, still mostly remote, but like, you know, it'd be nice to like cycle to the office. And I really, I love podcast producing. I love the audio engineering. I would say I'm, I'm more love like the producing, the development, talent direction, like guest finding, mm. that kind of thing. But our chat right now, I'm like, I don't see why I couldn't just like put my name in the ring to be like, toss my hat in the ring. I don't know what the saying is to, um, yeah, hat in the ring (laughs) to be somewhat of like the intern herder in a way. So like if there were to like, let's say I work for message heard, which is a great podcast company. Y'all should listen to their stuff. And there's like three interns. One of them's in like the engineering, one of them's in production and one of them's in like accounting to just make them switch jobs for a a couple days. Little freaky Friday moment. And yeah, the one who is, didn't study accounting in college is going to really struggle on his accounting day, but it's still important to know how the books work. And from the accountant one's point of view, it's still important to know how the creativity that you're making the money from is made. And who knows, it might inspire someone to like want to dabble somewhere else. And I just think it's so rigid life. Yes. And if I had just stayed in like kind of like what you were saying earlier of not knowing that certain jobs existed because my dad works in TV. I knew that TV jobs existed and I felt the pressure to like have a high achieving job that made a lot of money, but I wanted it to be creative and not like in a cubicle. And so I was like, well, I guess it has to be a TV development. That's the only option. And right. Because that's all we know. And that's all I knew. And so it just felt like that, that was the only option. 
And it wasn't, obviously, as you can tell from me producing the show. But I don't know. What would be what would you advise someone who feels like there's only the one option? I, I think it's like if you think there's only one option, turn around. Like turn you're, around. Not, you're just turn not looking at every now and there is another <laughs> option. So I, I feel like, yeah, like it just you're not looking at the full picture. Like if you think there's only one option, you're zoomed in too close. You're yeah. only looking at one pixel of the whole picture. This is true. So it's like, and even when you find back to the like kind of feeling your way into the right corner, it's like, even when you think there's one option, say that that one option is TV mm-hmm. that you know of, okay, go in that direction. When you look at TV, okay, there's producing, there's writing, there's script editing, there's script doctoring, there's, you know, acting, there's PA, there's like, camera you can do mm-hmm. any there's so many different things and they all have different skill sets and they all like scratch a different artistic itch yes. so if you're more organized then maybe you're a producer and if you're more creative maybe you're a set decorator yes. and it's like you're all still working in TV but it doesn't mean that you have to be an actor or pitch a show like you don't have to do either of those you exactly. can still work in that industry exactly and like you know, my mom for a while, again, circling back to my mom, she was competed with uh, horses like show jumping for most of her adult life. And so I did as well because I was like, wanted to be like my mom, whatever. And then we both got kind of like disenchanted with how kind of like stuck up and like removed from the horsemanship the industry kind of became where there was a lot of really wealthy people who didn't even really know how to clean their horses hooves, but they were like showing Mm. up to the competitions and like the horse is like ready for them and they just get on. And obviously it's necessary to have someone like help you get your horse ready if you're a professional. But it just was seeing like kids like that. It became kind of like, oh, you know, and like for me, horses was never my like life's passion. It's just something fun I do when I go home to visit my mom. But for her, it always really was. And so to no longer have the competition aspect, it, it kind of, I guess, felt like there was something maybe missing in her life in terms of that, like that creative itch and working with children with the old competition horses, helping these kids who, you know, maybe they have cerebral palsy and they have really tight um, like hip flexor muscles. And so they're always kind of hunched in a way and like their tailbone's always like under to get them to like sit on a horse and it loosens it out. And it's like, you know, instead of winning a little trophy, now my mom is like winning in a different way because she's helping these kids you know, walk better, talk better, be more confident, getting to ride a horse feels soothing. And so now my mom gets to do this and it it has totally scratched that, that creative equestrian itch. And so, yeah, if you feel like there's an itch that you need to scratch, that's not like a bug bite that you're going to make infected. um, (laughs) Do it, you know? Yeah. I I was reading something earlier that that makes that when you mentioned this, it reminds me of it because it was saying like busyness without purpose leads to burnout. Mm. And I feel like that, I feel that so heavily because, you know, when she's going from, she really loves working with horses, but then when it's like, okay, this, I don't really love the, the idea around it and how it's not, you know, fulfilling for her emotionally. It's like now she finds when she's working with children, now it's doing that, but it's still horse centric. And so that's what I'm also learning too, is like, even with interiors, like I love interiors, but I don't want to do it for random people's houses. Like what if I could do it for humanity to bring people closer to each other and the earth? Like once you start to take what you love to do and then merge it with something giving back, Mm. It like, it enhances that thing you love so much to where it's like limitless energy. Yeah. It's no longer draining. It's, it's giving you life. Yeah. And I think like about what, 
you're talking about your own experience and then my mom, like both of you and I guess me as well, it's important to find that like that pin, like the thing that's constant, like for my mom, it's horses. For you, it's like creativity in terms of like the home and like expressing yourself. And it's like, you know, a pin in a corkboard or for an artist, like if you put, um, you know, a pin in the piece of paper and then you tie a string to it, you can yes. then do perspective. You can like trace the string. And so that can really help if you're trying to draw like a New York City street or whatever to like get all the windows at the right angles or whatever. Um, right. It's important to know where to put your little pin um, because that's like, uh, I forget what they call that's it. That's the art. anchor. It's the anchor, but like, it's like the focal Yeah, point. I don't know what I they for- put it. There's like a word. I forget. Um, <laughs> I did art history very briefly, but like, you know, for me, it's storytelling. I like, mm-hmm. that's what I like. For my mom, it's horses. What would you, what is your pin, Megan, from which your string orbits oh my god I mean I think I got my my pin definitely is in visual arts some somewhere but then I I don't know if I have two pins and they merge but like something about um like the human experience Mm -hmm. but I, I also think like visual arts and and interiors that is like you're setting up the environment for your ideal human experience so it's kind of one and the same for me um but definitely definitely creating with my hands and that's something too like even when I this is what I was thinking about in the shower so talking to my friend of mine and I was like I don't think I want to do set design for film but like I would love to build some of the furniture for a set Mm. designer because I'm like oh yeah I I think of like the titles that I would want in my life and I go yeah I Megan Mattoon set designer that sounds good but then I'm like do I actually want that or do I think that's a cool job? Yeah. Like, I do think that's a cool job, but do I want that? I don't think so. I think I want to like live my life in the desert, do my own thing, have like my spiritual life and create art for fun and then ha- be called by friends of mine that work in film that need a specific table made or like this yeah. random prop. And it's like, that's so fun for me because I get to still be in the industry and I, I love TV and film, but it's not, I don't think it's the right home for me right now. You know what? That doesn't need to be your pin. That doesn't need my pin. Exactly. Exactly. No longer is my pin streaming from TV and film, but my string can go there. Yeah. You like creating stuff with your hands and it's like, Mm -hmm. whether that's, you know, a dear friend's interior design or, you know, set design for a Vogue shoot or something. I don't know. I think that's really cool to kind of release yourself from the pressure to have it be a cool job One title. job. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's really important too, especially in this day and age. Like, And in this town. Yeah, in this town for sure. Los Angeles um, is so pretty, but it's so toxic sometimes, both the yeah. air and the vibes. Um, yep. <laughs> that it's like, ah. But at other times it's just like so wonderful to just meet these creative, wonderful people just like running into them on the street, random strangers you've never known in your life who are exquisite mm-hmm. humans. But it, yeah. yeah, there's so much opportunity here. I also think there's so much opportunity on the internet, like wherever you're from, if your your craft can be put on the internet mm. and, you know, make a business that way. Yeah. People make businesses from their garage. Well, like I mean, the, the girl that does a uh, knit bucket, there's this girl that does knit bucket hats and then Dua Lipa bought one of her knit bucket hats. See? And then... Anwar Hadid wore the knit bucket hat and got paparazzi. I think those two have broken up. I really should not be following celebrity shenanigans, but I kind of have to for working in like mostly like reality based podcasts. But anyways, this girl went from just being like a bucket hat knitter in some place 
in America to now all her bucket hats are sold out and there's a wait list for her bucket hats. Look at that. I think that's so cool. Like anything could happen at any moment. Yeah. And I think that's where like the, I feel like that's what we should be taking from this episode is like, do what makes you feel alive. Yes. And good things will come. And good things will come. And, you know, as Nicole Byer would say, life is long, but life is also, it can also feel too short if you're not doing something fun, you know? Like when you think, when I think back on, you know, 2020, 2021 or whatever, it's not like I got up to that much, you know, there was not that much going on, but there's still really good memories that came from those years. And this is something I'm taking forward because, you know, I have those friends or you see those people on dating apps or online where they're like, live every day like it's your last. I want a girl who goes on adventures and doesn't take herself too seriously. And it's just like, (laughs) ah. And I'm like, some days I just want to sit on my couch all day. And that's okay because- I'm not going to remember every single day when I'm 80. I'm not going to remember every single day from 2022. I'm going to remember the really good days. And so it's kind of like, you know, make it count when you want to make it count. Follow your bliss. But like, don't pressure yourself to like, just go, go, go all the time. Because, you know, you're allowed to rest. And you need the rest. And that's yeah. the other thing that like, I, I've just been like consistently burning out since like at the beginning of time, it seems. And now I'm allowing myself to just lay on the couch. Like actually doctor prescribed to not do anything or else like awesome. it would be bad for my health. I'm going to give you a round of applause because you, thank you. this has been like, th- literally there's so many podcast episodes from this podcast <laughs> where you're like, oh, I work too hard. I'm kind of a workaholic. Ha <laughs> ha. It's a joke. And then it's like, I'm like, when is she going to realize it's not a joke? It's not a joke anymore. And then you finally, like, not that I was, like, some wise being. It's just, like, I was basically, like, listening to your thoughts for three years. Exactly. Um, But um, I'm just so proud of you. You should talk to my therapist. (laughs) I'm just so proud of you for, like. Thank you. For letting yourself, like, when you. So, listeners, Megan texted me and was, like, just so you know, like, the podcast is going to have a hiatus for, like, a year. We don't know. And. I was like, there literally wasn't a part of me that was sad. I was like, but it wasn't like, oh, I get good riddance to Megan. Screw her. It was like, no, I'm like so happy because I know what it means to you, this podcast. And so the Mm -hmm. fact that you're like ready to let it go, I was like, it's like she loves this show. I love working on this show with her. And she's finally at a place where she doesn't need to make herself do it anymore. It's like fulfilled it. You feel and fulfilled like, with it. And I was like, that's yes. so, you know, it's like, it, it's done. Let's tie the bow. And like, it'll always be on the internet. You know, you can sure. listen to episode one when you're done and be like, hundred percent. whoa, episode one. That's a long time ago. Oh my God. I mean, I cut one completely different podcast for sure. But yeah, I think there is a time, like I started to get sick of me hearing talking about burnout or like hearing myself being like, I'm yeah. talking about this again. Like, when am I going to get the lesson? But that's the thing that the world is going to continue to give us the same lesson until we are really ready to receive it. Yeah. And I'm, I'm finally ready to receive it. And that's why we're here. And there's a difference between like rationally knowing that you're overdoing it, that you're pushing yourself too hard. And then like, confronting the Mm -hmm. part of you that's just like, but I have to, Mm -hmm. because then it's like, why do you feel like you have to? And like, you know, working through all that in therapy, which I do for like different things. And, you know, yeah, it's just, it's, it's a, it's proof of the journey you've been on, like of self, of like working on yourself, which I think is so cool. And like, if anything should be an inspiration to those listening that like you, 
like a it's okay to struggle even even the most successful people like the people listening to this probably look up to you so hard and so for them to hear you talking about your struggles must be really refreshing because Mm -hmm. of comparative culture um comparison culture I mean so yeah I just think like it's all it's all so beautiful to show people that it's okay and you can do it yes and and it's important to like really change things that aren't working for you yeah you know, because I could have continued this forever. Yeah. And change is hard. Yes. But necessary. And some, and it's like every time that you mentioned burnout, that you were working yourself too hard, it's kind of like little steps. It was just like baby steps, baby steps, baby steps of, or like raindrops in a bucket until it overflowed. And then you were finally like, and now we're making the change, you know, because you couldn't yes. just do it overnight. You know, like someone who works too hard is not just going to go and sit on the couch for a week straight that's impossible so it just yeah. took you gradual and that's exactly. another important lesson yeah everything I think everything a day at a time yes <sighs> well this has well. been such a nice little chat in a, a trip down memory lane and I I'm so happy oh my god so happy that you were my podcast producer for Aww, this and like again. Just like going with the flow and being so open-minded and kind of like, I know that you were in the beginning, you're like, okay, we got to take some breaks for ads. And it was like, but it messes with the flow. Can we just like do this? And you're like, yes. Like, it was so nice to just be able to step into myself as a host, but also just like really whatever worked for me Mm. as like the best product. And it was like, I, I don't want to stop. And that's okay. And and I think that's really important to find people that are on the same wavelength of, as you creatively. Because exactly. that just makes it a more enjoyable process. Exactly. And, you know, there's the, the, the rules or conventions are at most a suggestion. So, mm. you know. I love that. Yeah. I feel like that's the, the motto of my life right now. Like, the rules are just a suggestion. Yeah, like a lot of podcasts don't call for a break. Like the Dumbbells, which is the workout podcast I produce for HeadGum, they don't call for breaks. But drag her does call for a break because they got on, they got on like the most tangent, like it's cause it's all about the fandom of RuPaul's drag race. It was so hard for me to find places to cut in that. I just was yes. like mono around 20 minutes and 40 minutes. I just need you to call for a break, please. And now it's like a whole bit that he does where he's like silence. I feel like taking a break. And then the guest's like, what? And he's like, shut up. And then like, they stop talking for two seconds. He's like, bring back my break. And it's like the dumbest thing. And it's fun, but not every show needs that. And, you know, different statistics show that it's actually better to not call for a break because then the listener's like, what? I want to hear, what what was she just saying? And then like, they come back. But yeah, I think it is important to like work with people that you vibe with. And it's been so nice working with you. Yay! Well, this isn't the end, but it is a a see you later. It's a a see see you in a bit doing something else, doing something different. I love that so much. Yeah. Thank you for listening. Thank you, Clementine, for being my guest today. Thank you for having me. Yay! And we'll see you for the very last podcast episode of Just a Tip (gasps) next week. Bye. Bye! That was a HeadGum Podcast.